Welcome to Spirits of Whiskey. We explore the wide world of whiskey through the many colorful personalities who make it, promote it, write it, and more. With each podcast, Carrie Moynihan, a certified bourbon steward and bartender, and yours truly, Philip Dobar, director of the Cocktail Collection, interview whiskey's most important names. From high-profile makers, blenders, and ambassadors, to out-of-the-way innovators and remote pioneers. Join us as we discover the people and elements that give the water of life its spirit. Today we speak with former professional ballerina turned whiskey entrepreneur, Allison Park. But first, stay tuned for this week's Whiskey Chronicles. Thank you for joining us on this Whiskey Wednesday, May 27th, 2020. You're listening to Episode 4 of Spirits of Whiskey. First up is Whiskey Chronicles. World Whiskey Day was just a week and a half ago, and already some are looking forward to National Cognac Day, which is coming up on June 4th. The origins of cognac date to the 16th century, when the Dutch visited the cognac region of France to purchase wood, salt, and wine. They found it difficult, however, to preserve the wine on the journey back to Holland, so they started distilling the wine into brandy. Today, brandy is made all over the world, but only brandy made in cognac France, under the strictest guidelines, can be called cognac. For example, per their regulations, cognac must be aged for at least 30 months in French oak coming primarily from Limousin and Tosse forests in central France. While most Scotch whiskies are aged in ex-sherry-filled Spanish oak casks, or second-fill bourbon barrels, or some combination thereof, one French single malt whisky has made its mark by aging its whisky exclusively in both new French Limousin oak and cognac casks. This gives the whiskey a vastly different flavor profile than scotch, bourbon, or really any other international whiskey. Today we interview founder of Bren Whiskey, Allison Park, to learn how the evolution of her whiskey has come to be. With us today on Spirits of Whiskey is Allison Park. Allison is president and founder of Bren, which is a single malt French whiskey. Welcome, Allison. Thank you. This is so fun. I love that you all started this. Oh, thank you. Okay, well, our first question, we generally ask about people's whiskey journey, but yours, I feel, is a little bit more intriguing. I mean, you first started off as a professional ballerina. So can you tell me about that? And how did that lead into your whiskey journey? (laughs) Most people... I think like the image of like standing at the ballet bar as if it was a bar bar. (laughs) (laughs) We were not in point shoes, slug and whiskey. Yeah, Um, you were doing you were doing a pot of whiskey one day. Exactement. Um. (laughs) (laughs) It was my favorite of the duets. Um, (laughs) The art of fermentation, I believe that piece was called. Uh Um. (laughs) Aha! Invitation to the dram. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be great. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, you know, here's, here's the wonderful thing about, um, you know, b- being a professional ballerina, which in many ways is being a professional artist and also a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. And you are straddling both words, worlds simultaneously. And in the athletic department, you know, part of it is, is keeping your body as trim and sharp as your, you know, a- as possible, right? This is your tool. So we just, we lived this life of restriction, right? Restriction on social life, restriction on food. And yeah, there's uh, a fair, know. there's a better than fair measure of deprivation involved, exactly. involved in the traditional dance. <laughs> yeah. So I joke that like 
when I finally came out of the tutu era and got to the actual <laughs> bar, B-A-R, not B-A-R-E, you know, I couldn't just imbibe. I had to, I had to go all the way and actually start making this stuff myself. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I, I was a late bloomer. I, I could not figure out how to drink, and I felt very awkward socially. You know, all, all my other peers at 23 years old had been drinking for a little bit of time. Yeah, there, were, there were plenty of people willing to teach you. Exactly. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's, you have some laughs, but then you kind of whisper to your friends, well, how do you, you know, how many are too many? And they're like, oh, you just have to know your limits. I'm like, how do you know your limits? <laughs> they're like, didn't you go to college? <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. But, meanwhile, uh, meanwhile, you're like 98 pounds at the time, probably. Right, exactly. Um, and there, there's nothing to absorb all of the spirit. Exactly. A thimble full of whiskey would have just, you know, had you flat out. But, um, no, dancers have a remarkably high um, tolerance to pain and, and I would think metabolism. So, yeah, I think, I don't know. So anyhow, so, so yeah, so I, I, was, I was a really late bloomer to just to drinking. And then I was very, um, actually a little afraid of it. I, I, I was afraid of in my, you know, mid-20s having this kind of experience that a lot of people in their late teens, early 20s have, that kind of like learning your limits with alcohol. Mm -hmm. So instead of just drinking for the sake of drinking, I really wanted to understand the craft. And I started doing a lot of research. And then at the time, I had tried some whiskey and I was like, oh, I'm sorry. What was that? (laughs) (laughs) That that was delicious. (laughs) So yeah, so I I just went down this like total road of learning and studying and my whole family is scientists so it was very easy oh, wow. for me to understand like the chemical analysis of a distillation run and things like this because this was I could just show up to Thanksgiving and be like hey like talk to me about ester molecules and they're like okay <laughs> I also love it because it's it to me is the perfect blend of art and science right and yes. so if ballet is art and science and science to me is athleticism, right? It was, you know, physics and, you know, understanding like circumference. I don't know. It's just like, it's just like a lot of, a lot of amazing ways that I would like break down movement into like centrifugal force for a pirouette or something like that. That to me, whiskey was science and art. And it was the art of the science that I found so compelling because I don't feel like there's that much art in vodka you know, and rum was a very different conversation back then. And tequila at that time wasn't really focused on sipping tequilas. It was very much like, take a shot and go dance on a table. (laughs) (laughs) So whiskey had this really beautiful story and all these beautiful stories and this like symbolic way of drinking it. And it was very mindful. And I just love the idea that you could pour something in your glass that had been made 15 years prior. So yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I love, and, and, and I, you know, I feel like ballet is, is this art that you consume immediately with your audience in the moment. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's kind of like drinking a really good glass of whiskey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Many years yeah. ago, my first, in my first career, I was an opera singer. So oh. I, I know a fair bit about, you know, uh, being, you know, part artist, part athlete. Um, yes. Although opera singers aren't, you know, they are thinner these days, but they you know, the, the same degree of svelte is not uh is not expected of them right but but you're still you your body is still your tool yes indeed so indeed you yeah. are you are an athlete who's who, who has developed artistry so allison once you decided that whiskey was where it's at how did you end up in france oh i didn't mean to 
Um, <laughs> you, 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 you took a right at Iceland. Is that? Yeah, it? exactly. I was like, wait a minute. They're speaking the language of plié and grand amant. I can, I can be here. <laughs> um, I, you know what? I, I really did not intend to ever have my own whiskey company. My second dream was to be an importer. And I was like, I'm going to import and really be the conduit into the U.S for enchanting whiskey companies made outside of Scotland. So I wanted to focus on world whiskeys. Mm -hmm. Wow. And then when I started visiting a lot of these distilleries, and again, in the early 2000s, there weren't many. So you could count basically on one hand the number of, you know, world whiskey distilleries at that time. And I was like, cool. What is the, what, like, I would sit down with them and they would, whether they were doing a peated or an unpeated expression, right? They would basically have what their version of like who they thought their main competitor was in scotch. Mm-hmm. And they would pour blind tasted a peated or unpeated scotch with their peated or unpeated, whatever was complimentary to what they were making. And they're like, can you taste the difference? And quite often I couldn't, I could, mm-hmm. I could understand that there was a difference in, in the two whiskeys in the glass, but I couldn't tell you which one was theirs which one was scotch and which one wasn't. And that, mm-hmm. that was a real source of pride, right? And we've seen, we've seen that celebrated in the awards and all these things. I'm going, no, you all are wrong. <laughs> Stop <laughs> it. Stop the music. Nope, nope, you got the score wrong. That's not the piece we're doing. <laughs> <clears throat> but I really wanted to see don't make something that the Scotch have already been able to do. Do something that is original and unique and intentionally is different mm-hmm. and different right. with respect to, to, to tradition, but use stuff that's local and indigenous to wherever you're making this because A, that'll make it interesting and, and, and B, like there's, there's no reason to compete with Scotch. We can all have a place in the playground. Mm-hmm. You know, right. Mm-hmm. So, so they all thought I was crazy, and I was basically realizing what I was asking for was terroir and a sense of provenance in single malt whiskeys made outside of Scotland. Mm-hmm. And no one was doing it the way I saw possible, and no one wanted. I kept giving my idea away. Do this. I'll. You own the brand. I'll start the import company. I'll just. I'll just like shuffle it you know i'll just basically make some sales for you is really what i was offering i'm so glad everyone turned me down (laughs) (laughs) i probably would have been unemployed a long time ago (laughs) (laughs) so thank god everyone said no to me and then i was like oh this is silly i'm just asking people in the wrong place and i was like let me go to france i bet the french will want to do this because terroir is their thing they're the number one Scotch consumer per capita in the world, which no one in the English speaking countries are even talking about. Right. You know, I mean, all these reasons they have Calvados, Armagnac, Cognac, very rich distillation history. Okay. this is So, you know, when I went, there was only four guys making whiskey there before me. And one of them welcomed me into his distillery and he was like, Oh, that's a really nice idea. No, go back to New York, little girl. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, and I almost feel like I'm like, you know, uh, Molly Shannon. And she would like mm-hmm. put her, you know, her hands underneath her armpits and like make that pound sound, right? Mary, that's Catherine, how I felt. Mary Catherine Gallagher. Yes. I felt like that character. Like, yes. no one understands me. And like, you know, like frustrated <laughs> and like pulled in. 
right. So uh, th- thankfully, someone in France said, oh, there's a guy in Cognac. He seems as bizarre as you are. You guys might want to know each other. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So, so this, this, this homme bizarre took you, bizarre. Took you in. Exactement. Yeah. He took me, he, not only did he take me in, he took me in. He showed me everything that he could do, which was exactly what I wanted. Make a whiskey using entirely local indigenous ingredients. We got the added benefit of being able to be certified organic. And I was like, this is great. You want to be business partners? Like, this is awesome. And he was like, no. uh excuse me (laughs) i was like 24 you know and here's like he's a third generation cognac maker he was 28 years old at the time and i swear he acted like he was 56 to my 24 like Mm -hmm. like we could like there were some things we could see eye to eye on and like other things i was like are you my dad like what are you (laughs) saying right now (laughs) and he was like i was i was like okay and every other no before that moment I had taken it as an opportunity to prove to them why they should do business with me, which always got me another no. Mm-hmm. Right. And I just, I didn't know if I was getting no's because I was American, because I had no experience mm-hmm. in this industry before, because I was a woman, because I was young, like because of just how I was holding myself in a meeting, which I still to this day think was pretty darn professional. But, <laughs> <laughs> but so, so when I met my master, I thought, okay, Allison, like, why don't you change your ways a little bit? So when he said no to me, instead of being like, come on, this is what I can do. Da, 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 da. Like, this is, my, this is my distribution model. This is this. I just said to him, I was like, cool. I accepted his no right with him in the moment. And I was like, what do you want to do? And that, I think, single-handedly changed my life. Wow. And it allowed him to say, I just want to be the farmer and the distiller. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like, I can own the, the whole business can be mine. It's my little empire. And yeah, so he's my partner, but not even in terms of like shares of the business. He doesn't want any of that. So That's exceptional. That's, yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. And, and you're not going to find that in very many places. No. But I, I also think like, you know, it was, it was taking a beat to recognize like Americans, we love business. We're super driven. We like owning things. Like, you know, it was important yeah. for Equity me. Equity is where it's at. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it was important for me to step into another culture and equity isn't where it's at in the South of France. Quality of life is where it's at. Maintaining freedom and to let your kids run through your organic vineyards and like own your property and not have a Diageo come in and like buy it out from under you. I have offered this guy more times than I can count so much money and he won't take it. Like he doesn't want to be a part of the expansion. He just wants his original role. He wants to farm. He wants to distill and I can do whatever the heck else I want to do. I say count your blessings along with your money. Oh, I do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's really special. I mean, it, you know, we, we fight like brother and sister. We like love each other and we can't understand each other sometimes. Like we just get so frustrated with the other, but then we're always able to get back to what do you value? What do I value? How can we stand together in this? Are you fluent in French? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and how, how, how about he in English? Um, we're fluent together in Franglais. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I think, right. I think that's ultimately what's also saved our relationships. When he finally said, okay, 
if you do the business and I do the farming, how long before things started rolling and what year? Oh, gosh. So luckily when I met him, he had already had a version of wasn't, it wasn't Bren as we know it today, but it was a version. It was a whiskey that he was making there and it gave us the ground for what would become Bren. So we worked another four years. So basically he had four year old juice as the oldest barrels at the time, four year old, three year old, two year old, one year old. I could taste the progression of it. And I thought, Whoa, this guy really needs someone to come in and put a program together for the maturation. Like, it was, there was no organization. There was no commonality really mm-hmm. and no structure. So what was great is that again, he wanted to farm and distill. He let me be the person to say, this is what we're doing with these barrels. And the crazy thing is we, we got an international contract attorney. We wrote, we wrote up our agreement. I went back to France. We were signing it together in person. And he just looked at me and he was like, Oh, Alison, I just, uh, just need some money. And I was like, Oh, uh-huh. Like, my, yeah, that makes sense. I, by the way, I never, like, never went, I never took a business class, let alone like went to business school or like now there's entrepreneurial school, which is wonderful, but that did not exist. Right. My college degree is in jazz hands. So I was like, oh yeah, money. <laughs> <laughs> because, because you had magic to do. Thank you. Yes. And you know, <laughs> nothing relieves a tense business moment, like a little kickball change in a sparkly jazz hand. <laughs> <laughs> they remember you as you sing, make them laugh and shuffle out the door. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so, so I, so he, he was, he's, he was like, oh, I just need some money. And I was like, yeah, of course. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I was like, how much, how much <laughs> money do you need? And he says, oh yeah, $86,000. And I was like, oh no, 82. Oh. Sorry. He said 80, 82, 82,000. That's what he said. And I was like, do you, is that in dollars or euros? <laughs> he's like, uh, dollar, dollars is fine. I had $86,000 in my savings account. And I was wow. like, so if you get this money, you're good. Like you'll sign the contract. And he's like, yeah. And basically that $82,000 secured my entire access to all the whiskey that he had made and will ever make. <laughs> it's like wow. the most incredible investment in my life. And amazing. Yeah. It's, it's really amazing. And so he couldn't make whiskey for anyone else in the world. He couldn't sell this whiskey to anyone. It was like, it was mine, right? And it wasn't Mm -hmm. like that was the value of the whiskey. That was just like this arbitrary number that he decided to throw out that I happened to be able to have. So I wired in my life savings and we worked and I started putting a barrel program together. So we worked together for another four years with these barrels to find some sort of uniformity and like figure out what makes sense for this distillate because it's a very different style of single malt. And right. so then I, I was side hustling in jewelry. It was during the recession, 08, 09. So in 2010, I quit my job and I hustled. I actually, funny enough, did end up importing and exporting whiskeys. I exported American craft whiskeys and I had imported um, some bulk international whiskeys for some craft distillers in the U.S. So really interesting things. Nothing that I put my name on and was public about, but it allowed me some additional income. And then in 2012, I finally like put the whiskey in bottles, had my TTB approval, like figured out how to do FDA treated palettes, like actually bring my own stuff into the U S so, you know, and here was the very first single malt in the entire world that was made seed to spirit in the cognac region of France 
the first single malt made anywhere in the world that was aged exclusively in new French oak and cognac barrels. It is the first single malt in the world that tastes like bananas, foster, creme brulee, and blueberry muffin tops, right? Let's, yeah. let's not leave out bubble gum. And which so is one much of, bazooka gum. Yeah, bazooka bubble One gum. of the things I adore about bread. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that like the baseball bubble gum, like the trading card bubble gum. The weird thing, too, was I, I, I didn't know how to even talk about my role in this. Um, and I, I, hadn't, I, I hadn't considered myself in this. I was so focused on the whiskey that the world kept saying, well, who are you? And I was like, oh, I just I, I imported it because I had. Right. And mm-hmm. they were like, well, well, who's making it? I was like, well, I am. And they're like, well, you're not the importer. I was like, no, no, I'm the importer. And they're like, well, you also <laughs> own it. Right. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, OK, so you're the owner. I was like, yeah, OK, yeah, I, yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> like, OK. <laughs> And then I would take it to these, to these distributors in New York. And I was like, Hey, like, this is really cool. I literally, I showed up to every meeting with like a beautiful presentation of how to launch a French whiskey in New York, super successfully, like the whole brand plan of like all the collabs I wanted to do and like all the bars and restaurants and like the areas and the neighborhoods that was right. I brought little samples of Yamazaki 12, Bren mm. and Balvenie Doublewood to show, mm. right, this is what a whisk, a scotch aged in two different barrels, how it's, like, radically opened so many doors for people. And, like, everyone loves Balvenie Doublewood. Great. So, technically, we're doing something similar, but our flavors are very different and unique, and we're not copying. We're, we're different, right? And then here's a right. Yamazaki 12 to show you, like, what the beautiful range of international whiskeys are. And everyone took the samples and everyone said, oh, my God, great presentation. Can I keep this? And I was like, uh-huh, sure. I can't wait to hear from you. <laughs> never heard from them. <laughs> they never oh. called. You know, it was like, I was like hearkening back to my, to my dancer days of like just standing in a line and not even being able to loud to dance. Mm-hmm. They just look at you and decide if they want you or not. Yep. Like showgirls. Exactly. <laughs> so let's, let, let's take it up a level and then let's take it back down. So... Tell us about French whiskey. We know it's a thing. Carrie and I know it's a thing. But many people, even a lot of committed whiskey people, either don't know that it's a thing or they don't readily associate the country with whiskey making. Because, frankly, brandy making, cognac, armagnac, calvados, and just eau de vie that are made outside of those regions, you know, that's when people think French spirits, that's what they think. Correct. Yeah, I was about the fifth person there making whiskey. And now there's over 65 distilleries in France registered to make whiskey. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we're, we, I hope we will see a boom in these brands. I Honestly, I think it was very helpful for Bren to have quickly have an international stage because I am myself American. So it came to the U.S. first. U.S. and U.K. share the same media outlets and things like that. So mm-hmm. if you are able to get enough of a spike in the U S it peaks the interest in the UK. So you can kind of quickly build those uh-huh. two markets. And then from there it expands out to just other whiskey interested places. What's the origin of the name? Bren. It certainly, it's, it, it's, it certainly sounds as though it's provenance is French. Thank you because it, it, in my heart, it should sound French. It should give the impression of being French. 
really what the word is, is I butchered the actual French word. (laughs) 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 And this is my butchering. This is how I was pronouncing the word for the part of the barley that you use to make whiskey. I would always pronounce it Bren and, and my distiller would be like, it was, it was spelled B-R-I-N. Uh-huh, brun. Brun, exactement. And I didn't know how to pronounce it back then. So I would pronounce it Bren. And I would always tell my farmer distiller how beautiful his Bren was growing. <laughs> he would just <laughs> smile and roll his eyes. He's like, Brun, Alison, the word is Brun. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I have, to say, I have to say right here, I think it's a happy accident because, you know, I think your weakness is your strength there because people around the world would have been saying Bryn and exactly. it is nowhere near as sexy as Bren. <laughs> Why, thank you. Yeah. So I joke that it's like it's the collision of American entrepreneur meets French farmer and mm-hmm. it's the origin of where the whiskey truly starts. Good. And OK, got it. Wh- now we know. <laughs> The, the simplest yet most brilliant uh, branding move ever, I think. How'd you come up with that? The singular malt. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. I, it, yeah, I <laughs> wish I could say that came from my head. It did not. It, it came from, the, from other people listening to me. And clearly I have no problem articulating and talking at length. Um, and so people just kept, my, my team kept listening and they were like, oh, Allison, this is what you've made. And then they in turn shared it with me. And I was like, what is, that is amazing. Trademark that immediately. That is brilliant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I'm proud to say we own the trademark on that. And I, 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 Very good. I think our whiskey really is the singular malt. Very good. Well, speaking of single versus more than single, how many expressions are in the market? Two. Two. Okay. <laughs> All right. And how did you come upon the, what, what's the difference between the two? Bren to me is never, uh, it, it, it is a, it is a living brand, right? And it's not a brand that is, it's not wide and flat. It's deep and narrow. So it's always going to be a state cask number one. And mm-hmm. then I envision it Maybe there's a second skew that is also always available. Probably not, at least probably not when I'm running the company. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's just going to have these beautiful side components, right? Bren 10 is an annual release. We do 300 cases a year of it. Mm -hmm. So if you can get it, great. If not, so sorry. (laughs) um, (laughs) But, you know, Bren is a state cask. And then Bren 10, right now, it's um, ABV wise, a state cask is 40%. Bren 10 is 48%. Mm -hmm. Bren 10 sits in the barrels around six to eight years, which in the microclimate of cognac is basically equivalent to a maturation process of like 10 to 12 in Scotland, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, just based on atmospheric pressure and humidity levels and things like that. Um, Uh, Again, perhaps you can't answer this, but might we see a cask strength release at some point? So I've contemplated this a lot. Bren at cask strength is fantastic. When I came out with a state cask, they were like, oh, you'll come out with cask strength next. And I, I, if it's not clear already, I have a tendency to, not do what's expected. Um, So estate cask came out in 2012 when the Scotch industry was doubling down on age statements. 
Three years later, in 2015, the scotch industry started releasing non-age statements and they were doing things like Phoenix and like all this stuff because the peak had, you know, spike in consumers had happened and they didn't think they had enough age stock to keep fulfilling on that pipeline. Mm-hmm. So right. at that time, when they leaned into non-age statements, I leaned into age, right? That's when I launched my Bren 10. So cast strength is always a possibility. It's, it's stunning. You do lose the floral notes on Bren unless you know how to nurture them out with water, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So to the, to the experienced whiskey drinker, as you all are, that, that's a no-brainer. You'll, you'll figure it out as you experience and drink it. But like just as someone off the street, we're like, oh, okay, I'll just try this whiskey. And they don't necessarily know the ceremony around drinking a cask strength. They'll lose those notes. I get that that's true for every brand. I just care so much about our consumer's experience and trying to make it as easy as possible that I, I haven't been able to pull that trigger for myself yet. Okay. Brand is made in the heart of Cognac. You know, that, that's a region and a brand that's well known. It, it's known the world over. Yeah. How does situating brand both literally and figuratively in that region and that global brand help and maybe hinder your efforts to develop a market for mm. your whiskey? Good question. Hinder comes to mind very quickly because I have walked into retail stores in you pick a place in the U S and I see my brand sitting with cognacs and I go, mm. wait, no, 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 no. It's a whiskey. Oh. It, go- it goes over here. <laughs> so that is a, is a constant, uh, game of education that me and my team play help. When you say I make whiskey in cognac region, Anyone, regardless of their knowledge and understanding of the spirits category as a whole, they go, oh, that makes sense, Uh right? And there's an immediate acceptance of, oh, this is probably of good quality because I know things that come out of Cognac France as being good quality. Uh So that really has helped. And the people who appreciate whiskey at a more granular level, when they learn that you're using Charron stills, for exactly. instance, rather than, rather than the traditional pot still, they're like, oh, oh, okay. Now I need to know more. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Once you, once you like pick up the layer and you get really into the technical stuff, um, which is super fun, that I think for the whiskey nerds, myself included in that, I mean, I could talk forever about ester molecules and the fermentation techniques that we do. I, it's really cool. <laughs> So prior to the pandemic, you used to travel immensely mm-hmm. for work, I'm sure. How much travel was it to France versus other places mm-hmm. to promote? So I launched Bren in New York in 2012 and then expanded into the U.S. In 2015, when I launched Bren 10 in the U.S., I launched in France. So France was three years after the U.S. in getting Bren to market. From 2015 onward, every production visit I do, I always make sure I tack on a market visit as well. But for, for the production stuff, I will go anywhere from in a non-COVID year, two to six times a year, depending on what I'm working with. And then I, I travel, usually I can do anything from, you know, two city, a couple of times I've done three, three different states in a week, which I don't like to do that. But, you know, I, I would say at, at, at minimum every other week, anywhere from 50 to 75% of the time. You're traveling in and out of New York, correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, other, other than being forced to stay at home more than you might, how, how has COVID-19 affected your business as, as in sales? Has, has off-premise made up for the loss in on-premise? Not at all. Um, for craft and emerging, we operate 50-50. 
So to suddenly have 50% of your revenues cut, luckily Mm -hmm. we're still here and our team is still intact and we are very grateful for the innovation of our team and our audience, our community is so freaking cool. (laughs) That's good. They're really, we we are, we are the cool kids. Yes. (laughs) So we've been very blessed. Yeah, <laughs> I know that's true, right? I mean, thankfully, whiskey, I feel like, made us all very cool. Cocktails. It's, it's a multi-part topic, if you will. You know, how do you like to experience your whiskey in cocktails? And what are your go-to cocktails? Built, shaken, or stirred? Vamp. Going into this industry, I was such a whiskey purist that it took me a bit of time to get on board with cocktails. Um, yeah. You know, I, there's a Facebook group that's oh, about incorporating that. <laughs> about incorporating fine higher-end whiskeys into cocktails. Oh, fun. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that is where Bren 10 would play. Because, that you know, Bren 10 retails like 100, 120 on the shelf. Okay. So, I, so mm-hmm. when I see people, very rarely, but it's fun when I see it, reach for it and do a cocktail with it, I'm like, oh. I lean in. I'm like, what? I I own this whiskey. I make the whiskey. I I don't know if I've <laughs> ever made a cocktail with Bren 10. Like, so it's it's really fun. I'm so inspired by our mixology community, by our you know at home bartending community. I've seen some really creative things. I love Bren. However, and like in a cocktail, however, someone wants to show me their creation with it, I will try. Any Bren cocktail people create, and it's it's with such honor, right? It really is, because it's like, I did all the work to get it to here, and if you can take it to an epic cocktail, I'm super humbled and honored. Um, I love it in the sidecar. Oh, I'm going to try, yeah. try it. The sidecar is awesome. Delicious. Um, sometimes I'll get a little compass box peat monster and a spray bottle and just spritz the top of my sidecar and call it a penicillin. Ah. Okay. Yeah, nice. just like just like that's my winter version of my sidecar. Um, okay. I love <laughs> instead of instead of absinthe. Yeah, instead def- of a spritz of absinthe. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, but now that you say absinthe, um, Sazeracs are really cool with bread. I'll drink those a lot. Uh, in I New could Orleans. I could imagine. Mm-hmm. I could imagine. I may have to make um, that later. I picked up a bottle oh, over the weekend, so you. I'm going to be playing. We it. feel every <laughs> bottle truly. Like that's that's what COVID did to our business. We feel every single. But we count them. We thank you. Uh, we will see that in our, in our numbers. Welcome. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, so what what is next for for the brand and where you're going and like once the pandemic is over? What's oh what's I think our I think our industry is radically changing and I don't think it's going to go back to what it was. Um, so Bren is very keen on integrating into being a part of creating what is next. And working with our restaurants and our national accounts and our hotels and our bars to help them get back up and provide Mm -hmm. their needs in their adjusted economies. So that is my main focus right now. What are they going to need? How can we shift and produce for their needs? That is number one, my focus. So I think whatever my other plans were have all been tabled at this point and I am arms wide open. Well, Allison, we very much thank you for being on the show today. We had a great time. I can't Absolutely ask. no fun at all. I know, for me too. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> well, look, next time you're in LA, give us a call. Yes. We'd love to hang out. 
please do call us if you're going to have any new releases that we need to help you uh, get the word out on. So, all right. Well, thanks again. We'll talk soon. World of Wheezy is up next. Stay with us. Hey, Louise, thanks for joining us today. As you know, we just spoke with Allison Park from Bren Whiskey, and we wanted to know what you thought would be a good pairing or tasty morsel to go with her whiskey. Well, it is good to be back with you, Carrie. Thanks for having me. Of course. This whiskey was a big surprise. I have never tasted anything like this before that I can say with certainty. Everything from the beautiful blue label embossed with a gold fleur-de-lis to the fact that a former ballerina created it, this whiskey screams France. I mean, I was telling my husband that even if I hadn't seen the label, hadn't seen the bottle, hadn't seen the gold color of the whiskey, if I were drinking it, I would feel like I was there. And so she managed, like, in that wanting to create that terroir, she, like, managed to do it for sure. So on that note, um, when I was tasting it, the caramel and the floral notes, they took me straight to, like, lounging in a park in the ninth arrondissement in springtime where I'd be sipping this I imagine this after a really great meal and for some because of it's like the body is so light I feel like I want it in springtime I want to smell flowers around me I want to drink it with a like big wedge of a triple creme brie which is just you know it's not too funky it's just creamy it's it's a cow's milk brie and you know that with like a touch of fleur de sel and a big bowl of fresh cherries in the springtime and a nip of this whiskey sounds like pure heaven on earth to me. Oh, that sounds definitely like pure heaven on earth. Um, well, great. Well, we appreciate your feedback and I think I'm going to get myself a bowl of cherries and some brie and try that tonight. We will talk to you next week when we have our next guest on and thank you so much for chiming in. All right. Looking forward to it. We'll talk soon. Please visit our website to see our show notes on today's podcast at spiritsofwhiskey.com. That's whiskey with an E. We'll include a link to where one can buy Bren Whiskey in our show notes, as well as a summary of Chef Louise's comments from today's World of Wheezy. As always, you can see our upcoming topics and guest roster and links to past shows. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, Salon. Spirits of Whiskey is a production of First Real Entertainment and the Center for Culinary Culture, home of the Cocktail Collection, and is available on Anchor, Spotify, and wherever fine podcasts can be heard.